0: Welcome to Runners on Trail, the trail running podcast by mid-pack runners. For mid-pack runners. And this is our second episode in a two-episode set talking about Thane's spine race. This is Runners on Trail, episode 15.
1: Runners on Trail.
0: So welcome back to Runners on Trail. And this is our second in a double episode set talking about Thane's spine race. This episode will take us from checkpoint three through to the end of the race. If you haven't heard the first half of the race, you need to go back to episode 14. So mate, checkpoint three, take us from
2: there. So pushed on from checkpoint three, it was only about 10 miles further up the course that snow started to fall. This was going up towards High Cup Nick. And I was doing that section on my own. I was getting a little bit apprehensive because the wind was picking up. The high cupping was going to be really windy, and it was at night again, going to be quite difficult. But the snow that she fell didn't fall for long, and it kind of was more sleet than snow yeah. in the hills. So there was now like on the high ground half an inch of rippled sleet patterns. If you see what I mean, you know, just in the wind. A- gone behind the grass and tussocks and stuff so and that pretty well stayed for the rest of the race really this kind of sleet on kind of high ground High Cup Nick weirdly was completely still air wind direction on certain hills at certain times even though it was really cold really cold it was actually quite still
0: I mean I think temperature wise it got down to minus 18 at some point yeah so, I think. so that was at the next so minus 18 with wind chill g- sorry with wind chill, g- sorry, with chill.
2: With wind chill. Yeah, yeah so came off high cup nick gingerly trying because i couldn't see very far uh, in any direction because of the weather and all clagged in making sure i didn't fall down off <laughs> off the side of high cup nick but uh went down to dufton there's another kind of half checkpoint there just a place where you can have a cup of tea and get a ration pack out or something from your pack And there were four people, Patrick being one of them and Colm being another, who were just heading up onto Crossfell. And they said, Thane, if you're going, why don't you just tag along with us? Because they were warning us. And that's the only bit where I did put a top on under my Buffalo. But it was more because I wasn't planning on it, but they were quite enthusiastic that people put on base layers. So I thought, OK, so I put on a Merino base layer underneath. In hindsight, I wish I hadn't because it felt really uncomfortable maybe it was warmer maybe it wasn't but anyway I did for that just for that crossfail because they were saying look it's minus 18 up there so it's minus 6 temperature and it was kind of 30-40 mile an hour winds yeah and doing the calculation at least minus 15 wind chill probably more and that did feel like an arctic expedition again at night so there was four of us uh, Patrick Colm
0: myself and Matt now this is Matt race number 125 not Matt race number 118 right? 118 yeah 118 correct and you go up Knockfell, Great
2: Dunfell, Little Dunfell and Crossfell, all four of them in a line. And we were walking into wind. And of course, we had to Crossfell as well, would not we? That that felt like an Arctic yeah. expedition.
3: Yeah, <laughs> totally. yeah, that's the word I used to my wife. I, I said it was it felt kind of polar almost going over that plateau, the summit plateau of Crossfell because it was so that was for me, it was probably one of the best moments in the entire race, though, I, I think you know we were up on the plateau it was absolutely freezing and you know the snow but that was that huge yellow moon above everything you remember that and um i felt like you were really like i felt it was cold but it felt like we were we were in control at the same time and i thought you know we're okay you know we just we need to keep moving and get down, but we're okay. And that was a terrific. That was terrific. That was on the best bits of the entire race, I think, for me. Yeah,
2: I've, I've got this kind of mental image in my head of kind of you just in front of me because you were like lead navigating over that bit, and I was just behind with my GPS, and we were just kind of correcting ourselves, like, uh, weren't we? Yeah, I, yeah that's
0: right. I, I, yeah.
2: And It was just like this yeah. train of people, almost like Scott of the Antarctic, yeah. kind of just right. <laughs> going yeah, over yeah. the
0: four hills and and kind that's of like right. yeah.
2: there was no messing, was there? So like, if we had to stop, yeah. it was like I, right. I can, get it out sort it out i'll yeah. help you right keep going <laughs>
3: Oh, that's right i think, we, I think we, we all worked really well there
2: and then we got across there and went down to greg's hut just on the other side the world's yeah. highest noodle bar yeah john bamber fantastic with medic crew and stuff and cooked us his uh, noodles with chilies from his garden so it's, it's like a famous thing this yeah. noodle bar he grows chilies through the year and then mixes it up with noodles and it's fantastic uh, so that was really nice to stayed there for like half an hour and had those but it felt like we had the, as it were, inverted commas, the spine experience on Crossfell. It's kind of what it kind of tends to be like. And it felt like we had that. Yeah. It felt very serious and there was no messing around. And then from there, we pushed on a road section down to Alston which is checkpoint four? Checkpoint four. Yeah, um, stopped in one house from some very enthusiastic people. Flapjacks. I Fla- seem yeah, to remember. Flapjacks. Cup of coffee. It's like, come in, come in, and it's like literally going into someone's house. A, a, a really enthusiastic um couple, and one of the ladies got an iPad and she's going through all the races. Oh look, we got something. We got lesbians coming in a second. Oh look at this. Basically, using their house as you know, just not taking our shoes off even, just as a. Please come in and eat as much as you want. Well, most of
4: them don't even seem to be... Chris, Orton, Leslie. Can, I want you know, Leslie to get naked this make time. time. I no, really okay. do.
2: Oh, Le- yeah, Le- Le- Leslie. I was running with him in the summer.
4: Did you? Oh, did you do the summer one? Uh, the summer one. Oh, I wish I knew. I did in your box so okay. uh, no. <laughs> yeah, Next time, just knock on the door. <laughs> yeah, just open the door and come help yourself.
2: Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I really enjoyed the summer one.
4: I okay. it nice think it's nice well, well, It's good. You get to see all
2: summer. the sights as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In this one, you just get to... Uh, uh, yeah, God. so it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven,
4: eight, nine, ten, eleven six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven to come by now. That's
2: Has good. Leslie been through?
4: No, yet. No, he's behind you. Is
2: he still going then? Yeah. Oh, good for him. It shows that, yes. Can I have
4: another picture here,
3: Leslie? Can I back? okay? Of course you I'm can. can. This gentleman here, here lovely. Well, well, we don't see right this right at all, so...
4: Right. Look at that. Oh, wow. Oh, someone's already back there. Eh?
2: Crikey, they've got a long way to go, and a lot much time. One, two, six, ain't looking good.
4: Because <coughs> you've got to make it to Austin, haven't you, by five? ten? Ten tonight. ten tonight. You ain't going to do it tonight. tonight? Yeah. Tonight, okay. How
2: many are after the race?
4: I don't know. Just go on your... Give me the numbers, I If you go...
2: About 35 starts. I think. Uh, so 45 have come out of the men. Yeah.
5: And... Yeah i don't think
2: any women are poor. oh no 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 sorry yeah it's
4: about 45 i
2: don't want my photos i know the you got i do photograph i need a photograph guys i need a photograph ready photograph photograph i need to get it on instagram because this is for our podcast runners on trail so uh, yeah so yeah runners on trail it's the best trail running podcast <laughs> And we, I did, we did a, we did a, did spine fusion, did an hour of twenty on that.
4: But my partner is very pissed off because he could not be here this week. Oh, no. So, and he is the most, but he's in the corner. Of the, have you seen today? Did you made sure they all Yes. And, uh, and everybody, the ones who do it regular. Yeah, yeah. Hey, where's Tom then? And uh, you know, oh, sorry, he's not right. here. Yeah. And what, 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 what your name, sorry? Annie. Annie. Natalie. Not Natalie. Natalie. might.
2: I've just been recording. No, yeah, oh, sorry. So, I could just put a little bit in the podcast. That was light all. Light yeah. I didn't want to instruct
4: you. Can me. you please mention my friend, uh, Suzanne? Yeah. She's the one who's made the flapjack. Oh, okay, awesome. And you don't know the, the thing, and she's been here from the beginning, Yeah. And yeah. she could not be in today. So.
0: Okay. Well, thank you very
2: much and indeed. The, yes,
4: lovely. And Jasmine
2: Paris stopped there as well. No, no one didn't stop.
0: <laughs> no, no one was allowed to no pass without must. flapjack. Exactly, everyone had to come in and have a cup of tea. Anyway, you know, and around this time, it's as you said, it's really yeah. kicking off. Jasmine Paris had been on. Was on I
2: think she's probably about finishing around this stage, was she? Or? No, no. So, so,
0: she was on. You, I think you were getting in. You got into Alston about Thursday morning-ish. Yeah, I think in chats when she was on BBC Breakfast TV. And then okay. and then later on the in the day they put some on the BBC website and the next day she was on Woman's Hour and she was on oh, just everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um and, and do you know what was what was lovely was her face on T V was, was a bit like I don't understand. She really didn't realise it looked like why this was such a big thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas we all knew why it was such a big thing. Yes. Yeah you yeah. know, and what a great year it's been for women in ultra running with Camille Heron winning the Desert Solstice and Courtney DeWalter winning Moab 240 and a host of other stuff, by the way, yeah, last year. Yeah. Um, and then Jasmine winning Spine. Yeah. yeah brilliant year.
2: Oh, that's fantastic.
0: So... I think one of them should try and do the Barclay. I'd like to see Courtney DeWalter and Jasmine Paris... Doing the Barclays, yeah,
2: because they've got a number of women trying to do the Barclays, haven't they? Now, well,
0: and I, but I think those two have got a genuine yes. chance of completing it. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: A real genuine chance. Of completing it. I mean, there are loads of other women who have, but
3: those two have proved, I think, that they really could do it.
2: Yeah, no, I think so. Especially as Ian Keith is doing
0: Barclays,
2: isn't it? He? he did, they did, Yeah,
3: I think in terms of on the race getting to the finish, I think is to me most of the time it's all about how much you want it mm. and and all of these when when in my experience in kind of ultras that you find hard usually there's a time in that ultra when or maybe more than one time when, you know you face a decision when things are really rough you know you're really feeling rough and you face a decision right okay you know I can pull out or I can go on and to go on is going to be very uncomfortable but you know do I or don't I and not for me it always comes down to how much I want to get to the finish how much mm-hmm. I want that finish and that's what drives me to the finish basically most of the time and I wanted the spine finish as, as I'm sure it is you and the other guys as well and that's that's ultimately I think why you 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 yeah, you, you get pulled to the finish of it, I think. I also mm. thought it was quite an exciting race. I mean, I thought that was the other thing I would say. It was, it was a, uh, um, you know, other Ultras I've done, obviously, have not been anywhere near as far. I mean, it's done a few hundred milers, but this one was quite exciting, partly because I think it was so long and you thought, you know, this is crazy. Like, you know, we're a hundred and eight, when you know, got to Alston, we're hundred and eighty miles into this thing. It's like, geez, I've never been that far before. I've never done that far before, but I'm still keeping moving, you know, so there's a, there was a kind of a, you know, almost like you're, it was kind of perpetuating you. To, it helped you, motivated you to keep moving. The further you got in, the more exciting it became because you thought, well, maybe, just maybe, just maybe, I'm going to finish this thing. You know, it became possible. And that, I think, really motivates you as well, you know.
0: We've talked quite a lot about your aid station routine, and a part of that clearly is food. There's some fantastic picture that you sent us on WhatsApp of three massive poached eggs and a huge plate of lasagna, and you said, this is what I've had. And then I've had it again. So you've just eaten six poached eggs and effectively an entire plate covered in lasagna. How was food fueling strategy? That kind of stuff.
2: Yeah, I ate a lot of the A stations, and that was clearly clearly the right place and the right easiest way to do it. But I did do it wrong. You have to have had three thousand calories from the start, and then checkpoint
0: three and checkpoint five. I mean, in your in your rucksack,
2: <clears throat> with you carrying with you, which you can eat.
0: <clears throat> oh, okay, so you, you, do, you don't have to have it when you arrive. You, you are allowed to. It's not emergency supplies. No, you
2: have to have left those A stations with 3,000 calories.
0: <clears throat> and they will check it
2: and add it up to make sure it adds up to 3,000. So I'd done a lot of maths beforehand and, as I would do, um, put it in spreadsheets and worked out what to take with me. But I was looking at energy density and, uh, and therefore I'd gravitated towards more energy rich food. I've lots of cabbages, cream, eggs. They are, and we talked about it before, they're actually really dense good nourishing food
0: okay. cream eggs. I'm um, not saying they're that full of vitamins I'm not, no. sure, they, I'm not sure they contribute towards one or five a day
2: no I had a few gels I had these um, energy blocks um, Colombian energy blocks were really good uh, I had lots of other bits and pieces but I, I'd in my head I'd approached it as if it was a summer race and I'd had some Ella's kitchens to kind of bulk it out in terms of give some nourishing but I hadn't really thought it through that works for the first day and a half but then it switches into the you need proper food and you need something warm, squeezing an Ella's kitchen into your mouth when it's freezing isn't nice, not something you want to do. So i would got the wrong food. Now, what I should have had, and I did have some, but not enough, with the proper kind of expedition ration pack stuff. And if I was doing this again, yeah, I had a stove with me, an kit one. I might consider taking a jet boil, um, you know, the small yeah. jet boils, which can boil a cup of water in like two and a half minutes. Um, and actually stop put some water in the trail shot was really good I had you know for taking water out of streams fill up the jet boil really quick flash it up boil up some water rip the top off of an expedition ration pack pour it in you then leave it for 8 minutes yeah it reseals stick it in the front of your buffalo you know pocket yeah walk and then start um feeding yourself six eight minutes when it's um rehydrated and that would have been a much better way because actually you get so much more energy and so much more satisfaction from having had a proper meal rather than just eating bars and sweets and did think, you see people doing that were yeah people yeah people, doing were doing it? It? people were doing it people were doing like stop at top withens barn for example and there's a lot of people there just quickly boiling water to give themselves some food and okay i needed something more nourishing than i had
3: Probably the only thing was once or twice I could have done with you know a hot meal, and I thought you know maybe in retrospect I might have cooked up you know more than I did with the stove.
1: Well, I hedged my bets on that because I took a mix of things, um, you know. So in the sort of quick and easy food, there were bars and um, things like dates and nuts and baby bell cheese and things like you know nice easy things that you can just mm-hmm. quickly eat. But um, another thing that made my heavy compared to other people's was instead of taking dehydrated food packs, it took wet packs. And so they they were heavy. So instead of rehydration, all they needed was heating up, uh, pretty much. But but that made them quite heavy. But you know, but actually they were quite nutritious and I did enjoy them and I had plenty of them. And funny enough, it was um at, when I was coming to the end at hut two uh, the the people at Hut Two wanted to do a trade on food, and they gave me a few little morsels of beef jerky in a baby bell, I think it was, and, asked me, and asked, asked me what I had got, and I got a, a wet pack chocolate pudding, and I gave it to them, and they were absolutely over the moon about it. <laughs> you do, you, yeah, I, I, and I
5: kind of remember it, and, and I did take quite a lot of food with me. I just took the wrong type, but. Um, but I do remember after a couple of days, you just want you just want real food and you want vast quantities of it, don't you? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> it has yeah.
5: to be real stuff. But um, the, the good
1: thing about the wet packs was that you can eat them cold. You don't, you don't have to heat them up. I mean, they taste better heated up. And yeah. And so I would say maybe half of mine were heated up, but half of them were cold, and that was fine. I mean, I mean the way I think about those things is that uh, you know, when you run a marathon, for example, you might have five gels with you. But the trouble with it is, is that on the fifth gel, you start feeling poorly. It just, mm. It's just so sugary, you just start feeling poorly and you just feel that you're never going to get another one ever again because you've just gone off them altogether.
0: Um, and a quick question because we talked about some of your kit in other episodes, but you took some flasks said so you were going to fill them with tea. Did that work or not
2: work? Yes, it did work. So I had one water bottle which was just water uh, and then the other one was a um, Zorushi Japanese flask which kept tea warm for like 12 hours even in those temperatures. It was really good and yeah and so basically I always had cold water on one side which is iced up occasionally I had to kind of flip it upside down I realised so the ice forms at the bottom rather than the top do you see what I mean <laughs> I've seen people in movies do this when why are the bottles upside down it's obvious because otherwise the ice the ice forms at the, at the top so if you turn the bottle upside down the ice is effectively at the bottom of the bottle and not near the neck anyway and now I know it's, it seems obvious yeah and then I would just literally manage my Satisfaction or temperature by drinking either the tea or the cold water. Now, in the Buffalo Gear, I was really warm. So actually, I was drinking quite a lot of water and I was regulating my temperature if I was getting hot. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, it's quite nice sometimes to go, actually, when I get to the top of this hill, I'm going to have a nice cup of tea and just, you know, have a few glugs of the hot tea. Yep. And I'd fill that up at, you know, cafes and bits and pieces. i would say, look, can you stick a couple of teas in here? Give them a couple of quid and they'll fill it up for me because it's like two cups worth. So that worked really well. Okay. okay. We're, we're one hot, one cold one on each side, trail shop to fill it back up if I needed to from streams. But
0: Perfect. your bottom line is that a hot, savoury meal on the trail when you're running, going for that long in the depths of winter is what's needed more than what we would think of as standard ultra-running yeah. food.
2: Yeah, that would get me got me through the first day and a half. Um, but really, I should have had much more of that stuff. Uh, so, Alston, good sleep there again, three hours or so. Headed off, that section then is quite, quite low level and you go across Hadrian's Wall and stuff it was getting a bit worried because there'd been quite a lot of water on the course uh, up to this point and it was now starting to freeze the weather had turned uh, the wind was basically dropping but it was getting a lot colder yeah and things were starting to ice up so through that section you go across a number of moors some of it's very poorly marked there's no real trail at all uh, and it could be a bit of a bog fest but actually it was starting to ice up and basically through that almost like that next up to checkpoint five the ice was getting thicker and thicker. So initially you were just kind of crashing through the ice to ultimately being able to almost stand on the ice.
0: Yeah, which Um, I guess in some ways is good. You're not getting wet feet anymore. Yeah,
2: yeah. Although we were uh, starting to go a cropper on the ice a bit. It wasn't enough to be wearing your ice kind of cramp on because everyone's got to have like ice walking cramps yeah. with them. Not enough to wear those, but I went down hard on the ice three times where I thought, oh my God, I've just broken my shoulder or I've broken a collarbone or something. I hadn't, but people were going base over apex on black ice. And you start to learn to be able to spot it. Sometimes it was hard white ice, but you just, you know, learn to think, right, I'm not stepping on that. Step off the trail, walk around it, et cetera. But it was getting a lot colder. Yeah, but not as not as windy, and it was basically sleety ground, but but not snow.
5: Yeah, it's interesting because in, in I I did the summer race, which is effectively a really good recce. I <laughs> knew exactly where I was going, so I'd done it only six months earlier, the whole lot. Um, and uh, and on on that race, we um, I, I did it. Uh, did it all with a guy called Alan Cormack, who was actually supporting this race. He was doing a lot of the cooking behind the scenes. So he came in him, but he might not have spoken to him. Um, and, uh, you know, we kind of budded up, I guess, on day one and we did the whole lot together. Um, there's fewer races on that one. There's only 30 of us. So I guess there was kind of a bit more of a, a tendency to want to team with somebody who was quite lonely otherwise. Yeah. Um, and we got 11 hours sleep, but it was an 18 part
1: I mean, I think the power naps do work quite well, hmm. but they, they come with a big provider. I mean, I, I, there was one bit where I was with somebody on Hadrian's wall where, uh, and I can't remember who it was, but the, the guy said to me, do you mind if, I, if you just, just stand sentinel for for five minutes while I just lie down here and have a power nap? I okay. literally did just lay down on the floor and have a power nap for five minutes. So my only proviso on the power naps would be, for the winter race anyway, you just need to be a little bit careful about body temperature falling a long mm-hmm. way. And... Um, there was only one time really that happened to me, which was uh, there's it, that visitor centre just as you start the Hadrian's Wall, and we stopped for some food there, and a few people wanted to stop for a bivi there, which was fine, but I, I just felt that like my body temperature was was dropping so quickly from stopping to eat yeah. that I just needed to get going, and yeah. so that was the only time I felt that on the whole trail.
5: It was yeah because we we were together at that point and I remember you were trying to sleep in the toilet, weren't you? You slept on the bench and tried to sleep in the toilet. I went
1: in I, there,
5: but yeah. Yeah, I I I I, I could I thought I was going to try, but I was I was getting quite cold because it's quite still, wasn't it? And it was just it was cutting through even though I had quite warm clothes on when you're not active when, and I yeah. think you said when you're not eating and you're not active, your body's got nothing to burn. You're not generating heat, so your yeah. clothes will insulate you, but they won't make you they won't generate heat. So you've got to do that. And and yeah, I just ended up walking around the car park for fifteen minutes, thinking this is a total waste of time. I might as well just be on the trail walking. And, and it was yeah, it was me and you, wasn't it? We we got caught. You
1: and me who set up? Yeah yeah. Because yeah, I walked, we walked up that hill and down, didn't we? Yeah yeah.
5: We did a couple of couple of up and down <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, because we were just starting to get really cold.
1: Yeah. And, and um, I, I, funny enough, you just talked about preparation a little earlier. One of the things that I did research on was hypothermia. Mm-hmm. and you know i mean i I'd, I'd come across hypothermia before but but not not in not in sort of severe winter events, and so I wanted to know a lot more about it and it and it sounds obvious now, but at the time when I read it it was it was this sense of what you just talked about there, which was clothes will only insulate you, you know whereas actually you need to have something that's going to generate the heat to mm-hmm. to restore body heat if you've lost body heat and and I hadn't realized that before thinking about this race and researching this race that actually you need to eat and insulate that insulation on its own is not going to do
5: it yes yeah,
1: yeah. that's a
5: really important lesson going in yeah and I, I think i just paraphrased back what you told me and it was you know and i think it was that conversation we had going up and down the hill about raising heat so uh, yeah. that was me, cause it, i hadn't thought about it really properly until, until you mentioned it and it made complete sense
0: and you were walking at a Fairly steady pace for the whole thing, but we're getting closer and closer to the ultimate cutoffs. Yeah. But we'd worked out that if you got to checkpoint five and got out, I think the cutoff for checkpoint five was midnight, and we worked out that if you got out by eight o'clock in the evening, we were sure you'd get to checkpoint five point five, which was the last cutoff. Yeah. In time, probably if you got out by midnight, you'd be okay, but it would be really tight, and anything yeah. in between would be difficult. And I seem to remember that you got to checkpoint five, had a little bit longer there than I think you expected to. But we're out by nine o'clock. Yeah, giving yourself effectively fifteen hours to get to checkpoint five point five and out, and no one had taken that long at that point.
2: Yeah. So it, unfortunately, that the, there wasn't as much space at checkpoint five as they needed. They had two rooms, and really they needed three. You need one for kind of arriving, sorting your kit out, one for eating, and one for sleeping. But the sorting your kit out, arriving, and eating one was the same room and it just wasn't big enough especially with my part of the field where i think there was a kind of a bulk of people yeah. it was just chaos and it's nothing to do with people running it or anything else at all it was just it just was what it was
0: maybe they could do with a a tent outside yeah that they could it do something with another
2: room or something i, yeah, I don't i don't know, I don't know but but it was and of course you're getting near the end then people are you know you're starting to run out of dry socks to wear you know I mean logistically
0: and people aren't switched on at that point yeah. so they're probably a bit more messy they're probably spreading out a bit more than they were at the beginning you, and...
2: the organisation in your kit bag has slowly deteriorated over yeah. each checkpoint so it's a bit of a mess so it took us a long time and the group I was in, well, the group I was in, I was never in a fixed group, but the people I'd kind of been walking with at various times, we kind of got separated a bit at that point and it was just like, well, you just go because I've got another half an hour and Patrick we had to leave behind because, you know, I was 45 minutes late out of that checkpoint compared to what I wanted to be. He was like an hour and a half. And it wasn't for the lack of trying. It was just like trying to find space to sort your stuff out. And you, yeah. and on a number of uh, uh, checkpoints, they do a compulsory kit check. So it's like, right, get your stuff out. We want to check it all. So you packed up and like, oh, God. Right, now unpack, you know. And it's yeah. just like, oh, God. And then you'd lose something, drop something. So anyway, it was it was a bit difficult. But we hit the trail and we hit the trail really hard and we pushed it really fast. You did
0: walk really quite quick that bit.
2: And I was, we were, we were a bit, fire, you know what it's like, you get delayed and you get a fire in your belly. We stormed the next kind of 10 miles or so till we hit the forest and then it's a straight walk to the to Byron S, checkpoint 5.5. We did sleep for 10 minutes on the trail there. It was a bit, was just to get a bit, people were a bit tired. Just literally just fell over on the grass. Didn't work for more than 10 minutes before the cold came through. But anyway, got to Byron S 5.5 and then decided, right, we're going to the Cheviots. Now there was a, when we were at checkpoint five, there was news that they might put a hold on the race. Now we'd always targeted to kind of make sure we had 12 hours spare going onto the Cheviots because the previous year it needed an extra 12 hours to pulse hole through, yep. the, through the snow. And so everyone was really worried. And I think that's why a lot of people have put together because everyone was trying to be 12 hours ahead of the cutoff and Whilst there were rumours, it was more for wind chill. So it, been, it was icy and it was cold, but the wind had started to pick up, and they thought they were going to have to hold people at Hut One. In the end, I i think they only did, but only temporarily. But the Hut One's not big. No, it's there was not. Loads of people hiding up there. It's like, well, where are you going to? Where are you going to find shelter?
0: Yeah.
2: You might just have to bivy outside whilst the race is being held because yeah. there's not enough room. So we thought, right. Well, let's. Let's avoid the situation by bagging an hour and a half's sleep before we go onto the Cheviots, and then we can confidently probably just push all the way across the Cheviots without needing to sleep or anything. Yeah. So there was a church in Baroness just um, down from the checkpoint. So we went, we went there. People had slept there before. Felt a bit weird
1: in the, truth, weird. In the church.
2: But, yeah. but anyway, um, we went there. Uh, we got our stuff inside the church and slept on the floor which is cool one weird thing was that uh, and i only found about this when i finished i've been walking with a guy called matt and john now matt unfortunately pulled out somewhere between either checkpoint five or 5.5 5. okay and interesting it passed a couple of people who pulled out at that point they were just spent yeah it's one guy who just was waiting to be picked up he's just like i've had enough i just can't go any further i've just it's like felt so sorry for them because he's done so much that's about
0: 30 miles to go i mean uh,
2: but they just had nothing left yeah. in the tank it just completely hit the wall after wall after wall and nothing left to give but anyway so, so matt had unfortunately pulled out but john was still going i didn't know that i'd gone past him now his wife had said look Thane, who you've walked with before he's in the church with a few other guys why don't you go there so he went there because we were in the church there was no one but when we left there was another guy there we didn't know who he was so we're going to wake him up no so it's like so we just headed off but his wife was this is like i don't know four o'clock in the morning whatever was watching online And she said to him, John, Fane's there. When he wakes up, you'll invariably wake up and then. (laughs) But he didn't. didn't. And you just left him there. there. And his wife, because I met her at
0: the finish, and she was saying, she was shouting at computer screen, going, John, wake up. Fane's leaving. Fane's leaving. (laughs) Oh wake up. No idea. It was him. Anyway. Did he he finish? He did. Good. Okay. He finished. He finished.
2: So, um, we just went up to the Cheviots and we just bashed it out, really, at a steady pace.
0: Yeah, it was all very good and we were all very confident at that point that you were going to be fine. I think you said that we all seemed quite quietly confident with no question.
5: You know, it seemed almost kind of saying that we're not going to complete it. There was no negativity in that kind of group.
1: It was interesting. I, I, I think there would be a really interesting piece, you can't do it now, but a really interesting piece of psychology or group dynamics that I thought was really interesting in that group Because I I never got a sense from that group of four of us that any of us wouldn't finish. And and we all did finish. And and I thought that was really interesting. And I mean, the only person who'd who'd done it before was Matt. And Matt had not finished the last time he'd done it, I think. But again, he was one. He didn't give any sign that he wasn't going to do it. And it was interesting. I said to him, he and I, were we we left Checkpoint 3 together just ahead of other people because I knew I wanted to get to Codron's now. But... When I was chatting to him, I said to him that my sense of his role in the group was as a sort of a motivator, you know, a mm. uh, motivator type, somebody who, like, just keep the group members happy. And yes. if you observe what he was doing, he sort of just dropping off the back to be with whoever was at the back and chatting to them. And, you know, and I just thought his role was really important about just keeping people motivated. Yeah, and and I think he felt okay about that because he knew he wasn't doing much in the way of navigation, but you know, he was holding his own coming along, and and I thought he played a really important role.
5: Absolutely, it was re- it was really interesting, isn't it? And I think that's one of one of the things that attracts me to to ultra and trail running and stuff is you do get these kind of you meet interesting people for one, uh, and secondly these kind of dynamics, and uh, and you never know who you're going to meet on a trail, and sometimes it's nobody, and sometimes you know by some friends and and, and invariably they're really interesting people and and you just kind of see these kind of things develop. I
1: I definitely got a sense of quite a, um, a, what would you call it, a a clique or an in crowd before going. I was a little bit nervous about that before going because I I felt that a lot of the the commentary that I saw on the Facebook pages gave a sense of lots of people who've done it before and know each other and I'm going to feel on the outside of it a little bit. But actually, I met lots of interesting people, including your good Uh And, you know, I spent some time with a Japanese runner for a day and a Danish runner for a couple of days. So the, the whole camaraderie added a lot um, as well. And so it really was a combination of factors. The challenge, I think, was probably the principal reason when I first entered it to get me into it. Uh, the Pennine where I quite liked anyway, and I had a chance to run us, of the course. And then the, the people thing, was, it was sort of the icing on the cake. Really. They brought it all together.
3: I remember going up into the Cheviots. We all started off after that sleep in the church and (laughs) uh, heading up. And I felt very positive going up into the Cheviots that day. I felt like, you know, yeah, we're going to nail this. I know the Cheviots have been up here before. You know, I'm feeling pretty good now. We're going to, this is going to be in the bag. And then, funnily enough, as the day went on, I remember, you know, we got to where it was Windy Gill and we were heading up that, you know, that section of the ridge then after Windy Gill and it was cold and, and, um, I started I, you know, I was tired, my foot my foot was hurting and you know and I remember you turned to me and you said you thought you, you, I think you used the word something like you know, earlier on in the day you thought this was in the bag but now you weren't so sure. And, oh, yeah. and I, funny enough, I kinda of felt that as well. I felt like it wasn't like my mood had completely flipped that I'd gone completely negative, but I felt actually it was a lot more finer line between success and failure you know then than i thought it was earlier in the day i thought actually this could go wrong you know and you could you could end up not making it to the finish you're right yeah i totally forgot about that there was that moment wasn't there where
2: yeah you just couldn't didn't feel like you could relax
3: no that's right and and i remember matt massimo was there and he, he he stopped and i said are you okay and he said no i'm hearing voices in my head and um and uh, and that was around the time you know you had said that to me and I was thinking the same and I thought actually this is a bit it's not like it was unraveling it wasn't but it was you know it was a finer line than maybe I anticipated earlier in the day than I thought it would be so that was interesting so five
2: people that started the last section yeah. but didn't make it to the end yes and there were yeah. at least two people I know of uh, one who we passed and there was another guy um who left checkpoint five to, but didn't make it to five point five. Or pulled yeah. down 5.5. So that's like seven people who left checkpoint yeah. five and didn't make it to the end. And of, yeah. of the finishers, which was about 70 people yes. um, or 68 people, something like that. Yeah, that's like <coughs> 10% of the field. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. have nearly done it and then still didn't yeah. make it to the end.
3: Conversely, I thought we were very lucky in the Cheviots. Actually, I thought you know the weather was cold, but actually, it was okay. And I thought we were really lucky that we didn't have a big dump of snow there. And I think that would have made it much harder. I think that you know, I, going into it, you know, i read all these blogs and heard you know that the Cheviots were a really tough part of the, the course. And, and I and I kind of thought, well, yeah, okay, maybe I, I was having wrecked them, I was less certain of that. But actually now and I kind having felt, you know, what we were talking about a few minutes ago there on the Cheviot Ridge line, I think probably yeah, they are the crooks. And particularly if you got bad weather, I think that could be a real major break point in the race, I think they're interesting, but so far into the race, you know, you nearly get to finish, but yeah. actually uh, that's pretty tough. Yeah. One of the
1: actually that we didn't touch on was that there were stretches towards the end where I just needed to be on my own in my cave yeah. with my pain and, yeah. and you know. Who I, I will never know whether that was the right thing or the wrong thing to do it, it got me through I, I think you guys were very kind at one bit on the TV to suggest that maybe I join you I just didn't feel like I could with an you and so I, you know I thought I'm just going to suffer it on my own and, and get through it
5: yeah I, I, I had a couple of moments where I dropped to the back of a group or, or just for kind of like half an hour with my music on just to, you know I, I felt like I was picking up a niggle I was just feeling a bit low and kind yeah. of just gave myself a bit of talking to, almost, almost out loud, but no one could hear me. And, and sometimes well, you kind of need that, don't you? Just to...
1: That's exactly why I wanted to go on my own, because at times when I rolled my ankle, it was that painful. So shout out loud. And I thought, yeah. I don't really want people to see me in that discomfort because it made them feel uncomfortable as well. Just in case yeah. you're getting through it, just keep moving.
0: Yeah.
5: We did
2: fine, got to hut two. We didn't need to stop at hut two.
0: Now, what became obvious to us at that point was that your group had fractured yeah. um, a little bit. And... You know, you'd, you'd all walk together for such a long time, we all thought it was a little bit weird.
2: Coming down the hill from the Cheviots, uh, my shoes don't grip. Um, Matt's shoes were struggling as well. Three of them got ahead, and then they just got the bit between their teeth. Matt was getting quite tired, and he's not done, he's not wreckied that last section from Hut 2 to the end. And I knew it well. He was illusioning a lot. his you know, was kind of quite, you know, it was having to concentrate quite hard on putting one foot in front of the other, so I just... I just stayed with him and said, look, Matt, let's just me and
0: you get to the finish. <laughs> yeah. You know you did the right thing by staying with him. Yeah. And for finishing an hour earlier, yeah, for the rest of your life, you'd have had to contend with leaving him behind and what that could have entailed ultimately. Yeah. So, you know, it's easy for you now. It, you, you know, he wasn't critical.
2: But it, but if I had left him, there is a chance that he might have just sat down and gone,
5: Oh,
0: i, I can't yeah'm sorry matt if you're listening I'm, we're not trying to i'm, I'm not in any way blighting your that your um, ability to have complete the race, but there is this bit in these races where you have a moral responsibility to look after each other
2: yeah yeah and other people had looked after me at different times when Correct. I was feeling tired yeah and it was my turn to return the favor here to Matt yeah. to make sure for the sake of an hour we get to the finish
0: and there it was and we were all watching you and Montaigne do a pretty good job in the spine of um filming things and so mm. we saw you coming to finish went onto to facebook and they had facebook live running so we actually got to see you finishing live crossing the finishing line and uh touching and kissing the wall of the hotel which you don't need to do to finish but people seem to do as, as yeah. a mark of tradition and yeah do you know what you looked remarkably composed i
2: always think when i look back at these things that i look like i am i don't feel that i am beforehand but when all of a sudden you appear in front of people with cameras you're like
0: yay <laughs>
2: but, but well, you no, jogged well, across
0: the line let's be yeah. honest
2: so how much of it did I run I think I ran 30 yards in the car park at the start uh, we got filmed on Hadrian's wall by the camera crew uh, and <laughs> you I, felt you had to run then and uh, the, the, the three or four people I was with at the time they ran and I refused to and then they one of them encouraged me to run like 20 yards so now I've done 50 yards of running um, and then to be fair at the end we ran the last kind of four 500 yards um, we could see three people behind us and we didn't want to end up getting so close that we didn't have a separated finish yeah. do you know what I mean yeah, it's same. like you know it's sort of like, well let us finish and they can record us and then they can record them Yeah. so we did we did push it for the last 500 yards which is nice and it was nice to finish my dad um, was there as well and, and recorded some bits and things. And then you go into the hotel, unlike the summer where you just kind of, you weren't really allowed in. Um, in this one, you know, they've got a full reception in there and stuff. And they've got your kit bags. And I got given a medal, but I couldn't keep the medal because they'd misplaced some of the medals.
0: But they gave you a very pretty top. lovely
2: top I've got, which is like an organizer's top, which is good. Spine Ultra series and stuff. I've been wearing
0: it all week. Well, look, you know, um, so you yeah. are one of, I think, less than 10 people. That have done fusion and the spine race, yeah, all summer few, and the winter, the full summer and the full winter. They can spare That's you a top, and indeed, indeed, <laughs> feel quite good. I have to say though, so and we'll put a picture up on Twitter and Instagram. Your shoes are, I mean, they are obliterated. These are Ultra Olympus three point and I'd be surprised if you could run another ten miles without them falling apart.
2: Yeah, they've got quite a few cracks around the. Lots front. of
0: holes and everything else. I can imagine you were quite concerned that they yeah, were I think I said on the group, apart. didn't I? I yeah. was
2: starting to get really worried that they might fall apart. And the guy who was running in second place, Eugene, his shoes would start falling apart quite badly. I did not think that's
0: why he stopped. He stopped because he just. Totally spent, yeah, six k from the finish. There's
2: a photo on the official spying Group Facebook page of where where you see where mine are cracked and yeah. run by the toes. You can see his toe.
0: Yeah, well, there was a video of someone running and you could see their feet, um, and yeah. their shoes. So it shows what it does. I'm not, I'm not necessarily blaming Ultra. No, um, no. it's just what it's the race tough, does it's a tough for race. people.
2: Yeah,
0: but I was, I don't, kit.
2: they wouldn't, they wouldn't last another hundred miles. God no, I, I was worried that they they might not because they started to fall apart around checkpoint four, but but they, they did all right. Um,
0: the, but you, as you said, the, the the tread was not the right tread for no, this race.
2: It had the right amount of cushioning. Yeah, but just the wrong. I mean, one of the things not said about the weather was when it got really cold in the last couple of days. Was you imagine mud when it then solidified. It all went rock solid so there was no give in the ground at all yeah. so the last couple of days was quite hard on the feet you were just rocking and rolling over every lump and bump yeah. nothing was squishy anymore anywhere and no. we've got farmer's fields where the cows have been do you know what I mean it's just horrible it's like walking over marbles Yeah. so it's very much like that for the last couple of days and I did have when the, the backs of the, the heels come up high they were kind of pulling into the back of my Achilles, so I was having um, pus sacks behind my Achilles just kind of grown. I had KT tape up there from the medics to try and alleviate that, and it was just because it was just pushing too much into the back of my Achilles. But
0: the you know, Achilles, yeah, nice. Sweet. So you finished in six and a half days. We should have said that, just under six and a half days, which is fantastic. You did spine fusion in six. I think you did this one, and probably in some ways enjoyed the experience more from the fact that you were felt rested after each checkpoint and therefore could start each bit fresh I think by the end of fusion you were just in <coughs> mentally dead
2: yeah so spine fusion I had I think it was 11 hours sleep but about 18 parts whereas this one I had 14 hours sleep but it was like in six parts so much better
3: yeah I suppose my strategy was to kind of sleep at the checkpoints much as possible um, less so out on the trail I thought that'd be better more Way of doing it. I'm less convinced about that in retrospect now. I think the checkpoints were more were were a lot less restful and much more chaotic than I expected them to be. I thought as we would move further north, they would get much more. You know, they'd be quieter. And actually, I thought you know certainly um, Bellingham was probably the worst of them all. You know, terrible. <laughs> in terms of sleep, I didn't sleep at all. And um, you know, even you know Hawes and so on. Middleton was probably in a way the quietest one of them all. Um, so so that. Uh, i'd be i'd be a bit more hesitant i think or i'd probably be a bit more positive with sleeping out next time i think I'd, I'd revise that some somewhat
2: like you i i'm not convinced that sleeping in the checkpoints was right i think it worked in checkpoint four and it worked yep. in checkpoint uh three but then yeah. checkpoint 1 was a disaster checkpoint 2 I didn't yeah. sleep in checkpoint 5 was a nightmare that was with a, a guy just for like 15 miles but he was deliberately not sleeping in the aid stations and and sleeping really? on the trail and because he comes from a mountaineering background and and when i passed him a couple of times on the trail sleeping i was kind of like oh he looks like he's sleeping really well
3: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. and he's
5: got his little cooker and he's making a
2: meal and i'm thinking "Hmm, you know what i I might mix and match it a bit more next you know
3: next time i thought i thought that afterwards i thought afterwards about belligerent i thought actually if i was doing that again i'd be I'd probably go into the checkpoint, and have some food and get myself sorted out and then go outside and sleep, you know, somewhere, you know, out in one of the buildings or underneath one of the roofs of the buildings. I thought that would be a better way to do it. And the same, with, I think, with checkpoint one, I wouldn't bother trying to sleep there again. I didn't yeah. on the spot. My flare rays, I just pushed through there. This time I thought I'll try and get two hours sleep. I'm, I'm not, ugh, I got about 20 minutes, of, you know, <laughs> two minutes. Yeah.
0: And now a week on, how are you physically and how are you mentally? So physically,
2: I've been a lot better with this in terms of ligaments, muscles, sores, blisters, etc. And I've been in a better state. So even within like 24, 36 hours, I was reasonably okay. I've not really had any of those kind of ultra limps and struggling around. I've been pretty good. So I've been really impressed with my kind of physical recovery, although I am clearly fatigued. I'm not walking fast. Uh, My Achilles is probably the bits which are just still a little bit sore. But you wouldn't know anything was wrong with me. You wouldn't have suspected I'd done this race, I don't think. However, I have been very fatigued. I've been sleeping a lot. And more than the physical strain, it's more of the mental strain, I have been really struggling this week. I was right for 48 hours and I went down with a man cold Um, I don't think there's anything more than that, but it did hit me quite hard. So I went back to work and then had to take another day off and spent the day under the bedclothes, feeling sorry for myself. Generally, okay again now, but mentally, I've been having nightmares about the race. Um, Just dreaming. I've been on the last seven miles trying to get to the finish. I've been kind of cold sweats. I've been kind of struggling to regulate my body temperature, be either too hot or too cold. Mm. well
5: that's good it's amazing that the, the, the kind of the sweats isn't it it's um,
1: yeah, I, I, yeah. I've
5: been on the forums about that as well and I, I can't quite understand well, it well my wife said to me she said she said,
1: you need to get that checked out because you know men of a certain age it can mean other things and, and then I saw on the Facebook page that there were people sort of saying it's a thing as in you know it's not unusual and I thought thank goodness for that because the first night it happened to me I was absolutely sopping wet yes and really uncomfortable in bed, Yeah, you know, and and I thought, God, what is that? And yeah. I've I got no clue what that was. And it's really strange that you don't get it on the race at all. Mm. And it only happens afterwards when you're in recovery mode.
5: Yeah. Uh, uh, one night, uh, it was only about three, four nights ago, I think, I you know, so it was like five, six days after I came back, and I kind of woke up, I don't know, in the middle of the night, and I was just like literally swimming in water, and I just yeah. threw yeah, my pyjamas yeah. off, and my pillow was... And you know, picked up another pillow, went back to bed, and then like two hours or three hours later, I was in exactly the same position again. my god, this is ridiculous! It's just like dripping. I had to go down and drink water to rehydrate, and it's just like, yeah, what's happening to me?
2: I've had a massive, empty, hollow feeling, and I've not known what to think about it. When I was talking to people near the end of the race, it was kind of like, would you do this again? And everyone's like, no, never, never doing it again. you know and I was like never doing it again then I thought oh maybe and now I'm thinking no but it it takes some you should if you're entering this race you should not underestimate the mental strain it's going to put on you do not think of this as just turning up to do a hundred miler or an ultra it is It takes serious preparation serious undertaking and have a leave a serious mark on you yeah and I'm still trying to assess that
0: no and I get that and I think with all of these races, when you finish them, you know, and it's, I think it's good to have a, a feeling of achievement from them. And of course, after that, it, there is that bit. Of, it's like post-holiday blues. You've, mm. you've done this amazing thing. You, you've had an amazing time doing it. We're not not amazing, necessarily happy, but amaze It's an amazing achievement. Mm. And then afterwards, you are back to the normality of the day job and everything else, and all of that bit has gone. Yeah, I can imagine what it's like for you know Olympic gold medalists. You know, yeah, after yeah. they've gone through all the press bit afterwards and then there's nothing and you're yeah, just yeah. a normal person. It's like, but, but that's the bit I loved. You know, I wanted yeah. want to feel like that every day and you can't. So, um, but if, if we want to know the main, you know, if, if people listening want to try and understand the mental effect it's had on you, they only need to look at your feet today because today is Sunday and you're wearing your socks that say Tuesday on them. <laughs> if you can't even get the right socks on, okay, it must you must be having real snags.
2: <laughs> Anyone knows me? I don't. I never match them up. <laughs> but it probably says different on different ankles. It doesn't say the same day.
0: But, uh, it, Sorry, it, I don't mean to. No, you. no. It, you need cheering up, my friend. It, it's a tough race,
2: and I deliberately on Friday went to the Mao, local Mal, Um I needed to feel. Stuff up, so I bought the book um, "Feet in the Clouds." It's a great book. which um, I know you, you talked, could have borrowed it from me. You and you'd buy your like, own, book. And, I, and I didn't know I was going there to buy it. But I bought it. and I thought, right now, I need to. You know, we talked about. I, I think we're going to spend a bit of time in the Lake District this year doing yeah. stuff and doing stuff which is more kind of 60 milers you know looking at felsman and stuff like that and thinking right i need to fill my head with something because i've got this huge hole and, and i also just wanted to go to the shop and am to sit there to be around other people even though i was ill a little bit and i shouldn't have gone to work i did because i didn't want to sit at home festering thinking about the spine i wanted to talk to people but, but
0: why would you fester you've just completed the spine in less than six and a half days yeah well but, within the time limit but it, i just couldn't it just can't you know it's just trying to get out of the rut and, and there's people on the chat
2: channel who are saying, you know, am I suffering PTSD? Am I suffering this? Am I suffering that? It takes a lot of mental, it's a lot of mental impact. Yeah. Personally, would I do it again? Um, I said when I finished, I would do spine fusion again because that felt like it was really nice. you you see, well, you did it in lovely is. weather as
0: well this year. I mean, well, to yeah, be fair, yeah, well, last year, sorry,
2: yeah, very hot but nice, clear weather. And I was thinking, well, I might do that again. Ultimately, I would only do spine again. If I thought I could do it significantly better. So, if I thought. When you say better, I, you mean quicker? Quicker. If I thought I could do it in under, say, five days, i.e., be competitive, I wouldn't do it again just to do it because it's such an undertaking, yeah. and such a com- physical, mental commitment that I don't know if it's fair on me or my loved ones to kind of keep doing it.
0: And I think to do it in under five days, the mental commitment would be another massive step beyond because the amount of sleep that you could take would have to be significantly reduced from what you did this time i think you'd have to do less than half that sleep to go under five days
2: yeah or, or i'd need to be significantly. what well, i think i would need to be significantly stronger and faster than i am now which yeah. means like a year two three years of solidly becoming a much better ultra runner Yep. Yeah. I'm not going to go through it again to end up at six days or six and a half days. Or, you know, if I thought, right, I can take a good, I can definitely take 24 hours off this time because...
0: We're up to five and a half days say, now already.
2: Say, say, say I'd done like, you know, the Ramsey or the Bob Graham round and you've done this and, I, you know, all of a sudden I'm not a mid-pack run. I'm actually, for my age, getting quite good.
1: Yeah. Then I'd go back and do it again. Yeah.
5: Did you enjoy it?
1: I... I did enjoy it and uh, that's an interesting question because uh, when I was reflecting on coming into the finish, you know, in the last sort of four miles, I knew I was in good shape because I started to think about that question before I got to the end because I thought, going to be easy on the finish line and one of the mm-hmm. questions is going to be, did you enjoy it? And when I was thinking about the answer to that, I thought, I can't answer that with a gushing positive right now because I think I need to reflect on that for a little while before I reach a conclusion. So I had a debate with myself how I would answer that question coming to the finish and I determined that I would duck it a little bit by saying something along the lines of that I was delighted to have completed such a difficult challenge. Uh, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so but with the benefit of a week to reflect on it, I determined that actually I did thoroughly enjoy it very much and in, and more than that probably would, would be prepared to give it another go.
3: I think I think doing it the first time, doing any of these races the first time, is a, it's a very powerful draw to finish, a very powerful incentive to finish. I think when it's the first time, mm. I think it's it's it's, yeah, it, you have less to prove in a way the second time, and therefore, as you say, there is there is an element of risk, I suppose, that you know you could end. Up with nothing. But I, a part of me would be, I I, I suppose I quite like to do it again also because I, I having done it once, I think. You know, I'd like to do it again to see if I could make the you know, the passage somewhat easier in a way from my, my experience and what I learned the first time and, and you know, would it almost be a it was a positive experience the first time, but would it be more even more so the second time? I don't I don't know. It could be horrendous, you know, I don't know. Mm. Uh, but I would, yeah, I would be I would be interested, I think, to do it again. Yeah, yeah. At some yeah. at some point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can see myself doing it it may be in
2: kind of three, four years, or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. um but uh yeah, I'll wait and see. It's, it's a tough old race, isn't it? It's. uh Cheers. It's... <laughs> yeah, It takes it out of
3: your time. Yeah, yeah, for
2: sure. But first and foremost, and I said to Scott, the organiser, I'd like to go back and help. If I had a, you know, in Spine next year or the year after or Spine Fusion. He said, yeah, sure. You've done both. You've done the summer and the winter. You know, you've got you good can bring, experience. You could bring
0: a huge amount to the people who are in the race. Yeah.
2: Why, why not they need volunteers and that's how the system works and I'd love to go back and help and, and those people work hard you know they're getting as little sleep as everyone else kind of thing Yeah. and be there for other people and I think that's what I'd like to do first and then spine maybe four or five years time stronger fitter better runner maybe I'd give it another go but I'm not going back just to go through the same process again it's tough properly uh, properly
0: tough I don't think I ever want to do it no
2: no
0: I don't think so no not, not spine maybe Fusion but, mm. but but not Spine
2: yeah it's a proper expedition race yeah proper expedition race I
0: kind of don't like the idea of a race where I feel I'm going to have to walk it yeah Even I, I want to be running it I don't, don't yes. want to just I don't want to go for a hike
2: yeah 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 um, no understood yeah I've also done the Pen On Way now three times because I did it when I was a kid and now I've done Spine Fusion and Spine I'm like right I've done and which one did on you now. enjoy
0: the most I
2: I enjoyed Spine Fusion I think the most but yeah, I I, I I I don't know. I'm still processing it a bit as well, so I'm definitely having to shift the focus now and work out what the new things are to do this
0: year. Well, I think we should start doing some more Sunday morning training sessions again, get ready for the Felsman, which we're doing at the end of April. Yeah,
2: looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to it too, I think. <laughs> I'm not going
0: without waterproof socks. No. Oh, no, not but I need last new time.
2: shoes because I keep ruining them every time I do
0: one of these like spine races They are They are total write-offs Right, don't forget you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Runners on Trail And feel free to email us runnersontrail at gmail.com And of course, please subscribe to the podcast We really hope you've enjoyed hearing all about Thane's spine experience and he's had a fantastic idea for something that we're going to go off to do in March And that is a recce of the bob graham round yeah we're going to take a couple of days to do it though we're not going to try and do it in 24 hours uh but we're going to record hopefully lots of stuff while we're doing it and it should form the basis of the next podcast so you'll be able to hear all about that in episode 16 so there's a fantastic free resource called your world within you'll find it at www.yourworldwithin.com and it has loads of fantastic tracks to motivate you to get the best from your runs and life in general. As Thane said earlier in episode 14, he listened to one of their tracks just before he started the spine race. And it seems fitting that we should finish this episode with it. 268 miles, 7 days, this is war.
6: stand up. Regain composure and open your eyes, because there is everything to be gained. This is a fight, a fight against the tyranny of the subconscious, against enslavement by the mind which mandates that you take the path of least resistance. How long does one need to be cornered, stagnant, or overpowered before they fight for what belongs to them, before they take what is truly theirs? Imaginary limits, make-believe inadequacy, will soon be a thing of the past, soundly defeated, This is not a negotiation. This is war. As fear takes the form of bullets, pain transforms into fire, and your world becomes chaos. Remember that what lies ahead is much more valuable than what is left behind. When you are tempted to fall back and fade away, look up at what can be, and take what's yours. Storm the hill. Keep your eyes fixated on the prize. Sacrifice is an understatement. Indestructible confidence is a necessity. The enemy is not behind you, it's in front of you. It's fighting for the status quo, and its fight is in vain. You are armed. Armed with a desire for more, to be better, to not just exist, but to make the world wonder how you did it. Yes, this is war. Winner take all. Stay still or move forward. Settle or chase down what you really want. Yesterday doesn't matter. Last month doesn't matter. Right now matters.